Hello out there, bibliophiles, and welcome back to another episode of Drew Archives in 10. I'm Andrew Salvati, adjunct professor of media and communications here at Drew University, and I'm back in the archives today with Candace Riley. Hi, Andrew. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. Great. So you're going to talk to us about Pope Joan today and uh, the project you did this summer for the Digital Humanities Institute. I am. So this project was a result of us being granted the support from the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation at Drew University, what got to do through the Digital Humanities Summer Institute. And this project has let us be able to research the imagery of Pope Joan and Nuremberg Chronicles all over the world. And these are the ones printed in 1493 in Latin. That's how we started our case study. Uh, this project started in May 2021, worked, worked on it for about four weeks straight, kind of around the clock. I say we. I got to work with two amazing students. Uh, one of them is named Zoe Bowser and the other one, Sam Zadarski. So we worked tirelessly, but with the love for Pope Joan. Um, <laughs> now, Andrew, do you know the story of Pope Joan? Uh, a little bit. So she was an apocryphal pope from, oh, I forget what century, 900s, I want to say. It's not like an older century that people thought was, it. She, they thought that she was real originally. Right. Yeah. But, but she wasn't. She was not, unfortunately. It's a great story, though. So um, Pope Joan, or sometimes called Popus Joan, um, was a female pope. And you're probably thinking, listeners, I've never heard of a female pope. And you're, you're right. People may have not talked to you about Pope Joan. Well, we're going to fix that today. So um, she fell in love with a man who then went to join the priesthood. And she dressed as a man. She went through many ranks going up through the different parts of the church. Uh, she followed him where he went. He unfortunately passed away. Um, she then continued to dress as a man go through the ranks of the Catholic Church, and ended up becoming Pope herself. Nobody knew she was a female, um, except one of her servants, who she had a relationship with. She became pregnant. When she was processing to the Vatican one day, she gave birth while processing. They then realized that she was a female, and then the story goes, ends in either two ways. One, that her and the babe died in the street, the other end of the story is that she repented after the baby died while she was in prison, and then she passed away. So the good Catholic ending of repenting mm -hmm. with that story. Um, but the image of Pope Joan is often shown with a woman holding a baby, which makes sense. She's dressed in the papal attire, has the papal crown, and these beautiful, luxurious robes, but holding a baby, which no other pope is usually shown holding an infant child. Right. And what started this interesting kind of project was our copy of the Nuremberg Chronicle, which is kind of famous at Drew University. We love this book so much, we bring it out any chance we get. Listeners can go back to season one, where uh, Brian Shetler and I talked about the Nuremberg Chronicle. Yes, it is a stunning book. It is gorgeous. The pigments are still perfect to this day. And it was made probably around 1493, but it was printed in 1493. So the, the decoration could have been maybe a little bit later. Um, but our copy, while I was flipping through a few years ago, noticed, as well as maybe others have, that the image of Pope Joan it does not look the same like other images throughout the book. It is smudged a bit, so it looks like someone kind of took the back of their hand and maybe like put pressure on the image and smudged it around because it looks slightly interacted, it looks defaced. In the margin around the text concerning Pope Joan, 
there is um, text saying that look here. And there's also some X marks on the text, noting that this is maybe not accurate. Hmm. So as we know with early printed text and manuscripts, people would correct text because you don't want something incorrect in your book that maybe you paid quite a bit of money for that's very precious to you. So when people learned that the story of Pope Joan was maybe not true, they then corrected their books. Okay. And that's where we're seeing this kind of history of book interaction. And the Nuremberg Chronicle from 1493 is a great example of that. So my students and I decided, let's do some treasure hunting around the world about these 1493 copies of... Uh, the Nuremberg Chronicle. Well, there are a lot of extant copies. Mm -hmm. We have not finished our project. There are probably another 600 to comb through. We have gotten oh, wow. through about, oh, what's the numbers I have right now? Um, we've gotten through 212. I'm sorry, we have 730 left. Oh, wow. So um, we have contacted thus far 855 institutions around the world. A lot of them are in Germany, uh, different parts of the world, like England, some in South America, some in Australia. And sometimes it was not easy contacting these institutions during the pandemic because a sure. lot of them were not in their offices. But these other institutions have been so receptive and been taking a photo of their copy and then allowing us to post it on the website. Mm -hmm. So we've acquired quite a lot of data. I mean, still 212 institutions or examples of Pope Jonah, still quite a lot. Um, and we have then the data organized on our website, popejoanproject.com, where you can then go through and see what we've acquired. You can filter the image by if we have an image of it, if there is some type of interaction, either text or if the image has been you know, removed or something has been added to it. For an example, when someone wanted to make Pope Joan look like a man, they sometimes gave her a little beard and a mustache. Oh, my goodness. Um, sometimes they completely blacked out the image of Pope Joan altogether, so there's nothing there, which makes the reader see it and think, there probably was something here, what was right. underneath it. Um, sometimes just the baby is completely blacked out, so it just maybe looks huh. like a figure. Maybe someone's thinking maybe that can be a man and not okay. a woman holding a, a baby. So sometimes there was... Um, the beard drawn on and the baby was turned into a Bible. So it's that <laughs> okay. she was holding the Bible, but he was holding the Bible. Um, so all these different interactions are so fascinating. And that's kind of what we were wanted to research further was were a large part of the books that were still extant um, defaced, interacted with. Were some of them just left blank? A lot of them actually were left blank, but we still have quite a lot more to comb through. But it's just so interesting to see how readers and users wanted to fix their copies. So we have some that are, you know, almost um, not emotionally blacked out, but sometimes you see that there was some almost anger and force attributed to blocking yeah. out a page. Um, it's not just a simple like ours. We have like, a cross on top of our text. So it's saying like, you know, maybe this is not correct, but sometimes you have like this really dark ink that is kind of bleeding through the page and almost destroying your copy a bit to really uh, correct the text. So it's a really fascinating look at how people um, interacted with their books. Sometimes they would just go through and black out the bits that talk about her being a female. Okay, it looks redacted in that, in that yes, copy. Yes, a lot of redaction we're seeing in some examples. Um, this is one of the examples with the redacted text that the baby's also crossed out. So they're saying, oh, yeah. no baby, not female, this is just a, a normal pope. Some claim it, oh, it was an image of a different pope. Um, and they try to then amend that story. I have an example shown up here of the bearded Pope Joan. It looks almost humorous 
to us, yeah. right? It looks like someone, like, you know, maybe they're going through their yearbook and they're just like drawing, <laughs> drawing devil horns and mustaches right. on classmates they don't like. But this is somebody who is very seriously correcting a text because to them they don't want an incorrect text within their very precious copy of the Nuremberg Chronicle. It was a very expensive book to own and you don't want something inaccurate in it. I have an example that I pulled up here. Um, it's extremely dark. Um, you can barely even read the text yeah. beneath it. And then there's always notes usually with the darkening of text noting why this was done. So just to clarify, uh, do we know if the owners defaced these pages because it was an apocryphal story or because they didn't like the idea that there may have been a woman pope? I think there could be... Yes to both answers, okay. I think. And I, there are quite a few books out there that people have already kind of tackled this topic before, but we are the first study who is doing a complete data set, right. um, which I think is exciting. But I think the apocryphal bit is the first reason why people are saying, I need to correct this text. But her, it being apocryphal and her being a female, I think is the driving force behind the mass amount of interaction okay. that we're seeing. So it's kind of, they work hand in hand. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting books to read on top of this. We have a scholarship section on our website. So we're trying to make this a very kind of collaborative site. If you have ideas about this, you're welcome to submit. If you have an image of Pope Joan out there that you want to let us know about that we have not acquired thus far, that's great. send us it in. Um, but there's the book by the row called The Myth of Pope Joan, which we highly suggest you reading. Our students did some work on that. Clothes make the man, female cross-dressing in medieval Europe. Hmm. So all these texts kind of talk to each other and they all concern the story of Pope Joan. I think she's such an interesting figure in the history of just, you know, females in leadership roles, but also just book history and manuscript interaction. Now, the website says that you've contacted 855 institutions, which are presumably all the extant copies that we know about. So how did you identify those to begin with? Did you know that there were 855 out there already, or did you have to do a little bit of research to find out how many there were? We were lucky enough that there was already a site that had, okay. for like all Incunabula, there's a site of like, for this book, you could click here and see the institutions that have that. Doesn't mean it was 100% accurate, right? but it was a good starting place. So we were able to then see those institutions. My students were able to find the emails for those. And then we knew who to contact. Um, some of them said, we don't have that copy anymore. Some of those people on the oh, okay. list were actually private sellers. And oh. so that once upon a time, they sold that copy, but they cannot divulge who right. they owned it. Right. So that copy is kind of lost to us right now, which yeah. is unfortunate. So no matter what, this is never going to be a perfect data set, but we can kind of see what people were interested in in history. And this also, with interaction like this, you don't really know a timeline. Like someone could have done this 100 years later, right. 200 years. So we're kind of grasping at straws sometimes, but I think with the more data we collect as we progress in this project, we're going to see some interesting findings. We have done a little bit of um, stats on the page. So we looked at how many copies are edited out of the ones we've had thus far, our information about 36%. Uh, 27% have marginalia. That's with addition to some additions or subtractions of the image of Pope Joan. Okay. Only eight copies of the 212 that we've taken a look at remove the baby. <laughs> My one student was very fascinated by that kind of the removal of the image of the baby. Um, and then the edited with facial hair are only three out of the 212. <laughs> Those really stand out and that's what, it's in people's minds. You often most likely will just see some edits with just crossing out of text or 
it removing the image of Joan herself. The mustache and the Mona Lisa. Oh, yes. Um, one that was interesting was someone actually cut out the part of oh. the text. So a complete removal. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I've seen these images. The picture is towards the center, right? I mean, it's not towards the edge of the page at all. So no, you actually have to kind of go in they're there. They're cutting quite a lot. And that means, you know, it's printed on both sides. That means you're cutting oh, right, out yeah. two parts. Yeah, this could be a pope from another side of the page, but they really wanted to remove that. So yeah. they cut it. So and they, that's great because this is publicly facing now. If there are copies that exist out there and are circulating that you don't know about that aren't in those 855, hopefully mm -hmm. someone visiting your website or listening to this podcast will get in touch with you and let you know that, hey, I have one too. That'd be fantastic. We do have a contact us note on our page. Uh, you're more than willing to submit uh, through a Google form there and we will get in touch with you. I have been a little bit bad on my replies recently because the semester started, but we will get back working on Pope Joan very, very soon. It was great when we had those four weeks to work it on It was our, a really wonderful four-week period of time. Um, it was tiring, but it was amazing how much work we were able to all get done together. Oh, I miss it, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another part of our website is called Interaction, and that's where we look at either image or text interaction. So we're looking at our stats and kind of taking a look at some that really speak to us. And this is where my students, Zoe and Sam, really kind of flourished in their analyses of Pope Joan, where they looked at specific examples and kind of gave an idea on why they think this is happening a certain way. So I highly suggest you take a look at this on the website. A lot of the focus is on the removal of the baby because that was Zoe's favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for sharing the website and the project with us, Candice. And much luck to you in the future for finding more copies, more images uh, to add to your collection. Thank you. We're always happy to hunt for more Pope Joan. That's our show. Be sure to check out the images of the materials we've discussed on this and other episodes of Drew Archives in 10 by visiting the Drew Archives and Special Collections website at www.drew.edu forward slash library forward slash media. You can also check out images of the archives material at the Drew University Participatory Archives at dupaarchive.org. There's a lot of great stuff there, so be sure to check it out. For myself, Dr. Andrew Salvati, and for Candace Riley, be well, stay safe, and we'll see you next time on Drew Archives in 10. <laughs>